From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. All right. Hey, how's it going? Happy New Year. So coming up on the pod uh, in just a minute or two, we're actually rewinding back to last January, 2022. And we thought it would be fun to replay Daryl's Indie Weekly conversation from this time last year. In it, he was joined by Adam Lewis from the Planetary Group, as well as Eric Alper, who, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know who Eric Alper is, but publicist, radio host, and most famously, kind of a social media phenomenon under the uh, handle that Eric Alper. Daryl, Adam, and Eric had a chat kind of about what their predictions and their hopes were for 2022. So it's interesting now, a year later, as we kick off 2023, to re-listen to that conversation and I guess see see how things panned out. Plus, some of the insights that the guys offered along the way in this chat um, are still very pertinent and worth hearing again. So, like I said, that's coming up in just a second. But as always, before we get to this week's conversation, we must first acknowledge that the land on which Indie Week is based is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, Ashinabe, Métis, and Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Of course, we must also thank our sponsors and funders. Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, Actor Racks, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, SEMA, City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, and the SOCAN Foundation. We must also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. Without the support of all of them, we couldn't do the work we do for the music community. So a big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, now to this week's conversation. Now, to get into this talk, I wanted to share a couple retro, retrospective stories kind of thing. Uh, this talk, we're looking at what does this year mean? Because A, who the hell thought we would be here still in another lockdown? Uh, and if you're in the Toronto region, we just got a natural lockdown with so much snow dumped on us. Uh, like, you should see my door. I, I open it and it's three feet of snow. Literally, uh, I have not been outside. Uh, so a couple of things I wanted to mention to try to think like we're hearing NFTs, metaverse, blockchain, crypto, AR, VR, AI, lots of all this crazy stuff. And we, we try to think like, what, how do we fit and all, what does this all mean? I want to look back to 2004. I've got two things to share. This is kind of nuts. So before Indie Week, I ran a thing called Gen Sub, which was more of like a community. It was kind of like a record label, but it was still about indie artists supporting indie artists. And we would do a compilation that we would send to campus radio and give out at shows. And the whole idea was we had international artists with Canadian artists. So therefore international could learn about Canada and Canada could learn about international and such. Uh, something that was kind of cool. Well, one, on the back here, you'll see there's this little logo, it's called Voth. We had a player. So a friend of mine is a dev developer. I've been involved in web stuff and tech stuff. And he de developed what's called CDX technology. And he came to me, you know music. I got technology, let's work together. And so on this CD is an actual music player embedded on it. If you put it in a computer, a music player would pop up. This is 2004. And it would stream music to the CD, which meant you could give the CD away, but literally put up new music every day. And we were streaming before streaming. 
This was pitched to all the majors and they all said, nah, that's never going to take off. And eventually, you know, it's a lot of cost and security and coding and server to keep going without support. But yeah, all the majors, it was pitched to Sony, Universal, all of them said, this will never take off. Here we are. This doesn't exist anymore, practically, and it's all streaming. So this is a kind of thing to think about back then, you know, oh, that won't work. That won't take off. Well, it sure did. The other part is if uh, notice this is another one and you'll see it says Popcom. And this also relates to our discussion today, too. In this, sense. this was the last Popcom that existed. Uh, it was in Berlin. If you've been to a conference, this was like five times the size of that conference. Trade shows that were trade shows, like conference center halls were taken over. Uh, I believe the Universal booth was the size of a block and had two floors. Uh, booths had like the whole double-decker Jaeger bus mixer, and that seemed small within the space. It was crazy. The entire world went there. And uh, unfortunately, that was actually the last year it took place. But I was pitching music on this, and it's all smashed up over traveling around and conferencing. But this is an MP3 player. And when I was pitching it, like the music, they're like, what is this thing? No one in the music industry knew what a music, uh, sorry, what an MP3 player was. It was crazy. Like the guy from Universal in Europe was like, what's this? And I'm like, yeah, but just listen to music. I'm pitching you music. But they were so interested in this because they didn't know what it was. And, you know, for, if you think of it in a blip, MP3 players were a thing. And now it's gone because it's phones. Right. So that's how fast things move. And I'm trying to just sort of prep us for the discussion in the sense that, yes, we're going to try to predict things, but kind of give advice on some things. But it, it's also to note, be open to things. We may say, oh, this will never happen. And it totally happens. Uh, and we may say, oh, this will never take off. And it completely takes off, especially as we're on this digital age cusp of NFTs, blockchain, metaverse, AI, VR, AR, and it's all a huge question mark. That to me is one of the best times to actually investigate further because this is the time to be involved if that's gonna take place. Plus, what does live music look like? What do concerts look like? What is touring? What does marketing and promotion look like? So lots to discuss. I've been talking a lot and I wanna, let our guests have their say as well. So uh, with that, I want to pass it off to uh, Adam Lewis uh, to introduce yourself uh, from Planetary. And like I said, I think South by was one of the last times I saw you in person, Adam, at your uh, mixer. So Adam. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure the last time I saw you. I mean, I, you know, so many, you know, you're, you're one of those people that you just, I would just see everywhere, and, you know, and I was talking to someone yesterday. I was like, I used to see you every two months somewhere in the world. And, and you know, we've just been frozen in time these past two years, right? I, I, I haven't gone out of the country. It's crazy. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's normally on a plane every other week. And, you know, I, I, I'm in several countries every year. Weird times. Anyway, so I'm Adam Lewis. I uh, own and run the Planetary Group. We're based in Los Angeles. 
uh, just celebrated our 25th year in business. So we're still here somehow. And, um, and uh, yeah, we get hired to get the word out on new releases, right? That's, that's bottom line what we do. We do a lot of online PR. We do a lot of radio promotion. We're most known for doing radio promotion. We've been doing that the longest. A lot of college radio, specialist radio, NPR, CBC type uh, radio, what they call non-commercial radio. Um, we do a lot of online PR, going after the blogs and various websites. Obviously, we pitch playlists. We do some social media promotion as well, have a full-time social media team. Uh, so, you know, basically working with new artists, independent artists, and signed artists, uh, getting the word out on their releases. That's, that's what we do. Uh, we talk a lot about music all day, and somehow that is considered work. So... Awesome. And, yeah. and Adam, you work with artists from all over, right? Like, especially like Canada, US. But... Yeah, I work with a lot of Canadian artists. But uh, yeah, I like to work with artists, you know, I, I kind of combine my two loves, right? The music, music and travel. And so, you know, I, I would go to all of these events all over the world. I'd go to Popcom every year, uh, meet them, you know, big sound in Australia, you know, wherever, anywhere there were artists showcasing to kind of be a bridge uh, to the U.S. and to work with artists in the U.S. and introduce them here. You know, in Canada, I'd, I'd go to Canadian Music Week every year, did North by Northeast often. I would do the ECMAs often. I would do Breakout West often. Um, you know, just looking for artists that are looking for uh, the U.S. exposure and, and, that, and try to be a, a helping hand in terms of navigating you know, the U.S. because the U.S. Is, is intimidating. People don't know really where to start. Right. So try to I try to fill that role a little bit, uh, you know, for them. And so at South by we would have a showcase stage uh, every year, one or two stages where we were showcasing some of our clients and they were only uh, overseas artists, you know, on, on the bill uh, again, so that we could try to help artists that are coming over and spending a lot of money to get to America. So at least they'd have one really good showcase because you never know what type of showcase you're going to get at these events. You might end up playing a pizza party at one in the morning, but if you're playing at our event, you know, you're going to get at least one good show with a real sound man with real backline and, you know, uh, have, 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 a, have a good, a good time. So, so yeah. That's awesome. And, and, uh, you never know that pizza party at 1am might be the place to be too. So. That, that's true, but you're probably going to be, uh, working a little too hard and you're probably going to blow your voice out because you're probably going to be playing on a disco PA and, uh, yep. you know, it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Right. So that if you're spending 15 grand to get to America, you want to know at least you've got one good showcase. Right. So, uh, that's awesome. you never know. You never know. <laughs> it's a bit of a crapshoot. You know, obviously the more leverage you have, the better, better venue you have. And I think also South by has gotten better at kind of scaling it back and reining it in, in terms of getting better, more real venues and, and uh, whatnot. I think where bands get in trouble at South by is when they play too many of the unofficial parties that they tend to be the, the worser production type of events. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're going to be talking a little about conferences and, and showcase festivals uh, in this. And uh, I just want to do a quick shout out to yep. Robert Stingerman joining us. Hey, Robert, good to see you here. And Greg. Um, now, uh, Eric, uh, I'm going to let you uh, introduce yourself, but also start the conversation as you've got some points uh, for predictions. So uh, I'll let you get the thing, get the show started. 
Hi, I'm uh, Eric Alper of Eric Alper Public Relations. I also have a radio show on Sirius XM called At That Eric Alper, which is named after all of my social media contacts, including uh, Twitter on the platforms. I've uh, been a publicist for over 25 years now. Uh, worked everybody, it seemed, from Sinead O'Connor to The Wiggles to Guar to Ringo Starr and seemingly a lot of other artists in between. Um, work a lot with the indie artist field. Um, yeah, doing everything from the press, radio, television, tour support, um, Spotify promotion. I see a lot of a uh, couple of artists that are here today. So nice job. You took my advice and coming to online conferences. And um, yeah, probably my, my first major prediction, I, I, I think, is going to for sure happen in 2022 is uh, I think some some women between the ages of 15 and 17 will hit number one on the Billboard chart. And it's going to be somebody that we've never even heard of today. Oh, that's really cool. And what's your prediction on how did they get there being discovered? TikTok? Uh, it, it's definitely, it definitely, absolutely 100% going to be coming from TikTok. I think the story of 2022 is going to be TikTok's dominance over the music industry, not the other way around. I think TikTok is poised for what MySpace and Facebook together um, could have been for the music industry um, over the last 12 months 430 songs have hit more than a billion streams on TikTok last year that's three times the amount of 2021 and in fact 175 songs that made the Billboard Hot 100 broke first on TikTok. It is where all the A&Rs are. It's where all the booking agents are. It's where all the media usually are. And it's the next wave of music journalism is going to be. So expect a, a similar jump in 2022. In fact, right now, the biggest song in the world, Gail's ABCDEFU, is number nine on the Billboard Hot 100 in its third week out. It's pretty astounding that this woman who was in high school literally four months ago has the number nine song on billboard and the number one song in the world, excluding America. So strange things happen on TikTok, wonderful things on TikTok. If it, if you manage to catch a wave, it is unlike anything you have ever seen. And there's no book on it, which is beautiful because there's no rules. So I think that's going to be the story of the year. It's going to be TikTok's dominance of the music industry in 2022. I think it, that is such a on point uh, remark to make because I've, I've pitched some artists to some labels and they're like, they look up TikTok numbers and if it's not there, they don't even listen to the music. It, it's, it's a little sad, but that's what is happening. I'm starting to see that. Uh, Adam, I'll let you comment on the TikTok uh, <coughs> revolution taking place uh, and I'll, I've got another comment after. Yeah, I mean, listen, no, I agree. There's, there's no doubt about it. But I do think that it is heavily, uh, first of all, it, it's very much a major label game in terms of, you know, who's winning at TikTok. Uh, it's an expensive game, you know, uh, in, in some ways, you know, uh, when you're really trying to have hits, like if you're trying to work with influencers and stuff like that, like that is not cheap. Uh, you know, I, I would like to see it, if, I would like to see independent and smaller artists winning on TikTok more than pop, than in the pop realm, right? So yes, these are some of these artists are obviously independent and not signed, but they're they're pop acts that are taking off and a song's going viral. But I'd like to see an indie rock band 
take off and, and, and you know and and listen i know rock is not the hip thing right you know i mean we live in a pop and a hip-hop world right now but so much of what we work in is 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 in the indie rock indie pop you know world uh i want to see how that is going to happen and, and not to say that it won't i'm not saying it won't uh i'm saying that you know that potential is is, is definitely there i definitely want to see more rock happening there uh, yeah, well, and, it all, yeah. And it all depends on, on too, like, you know, and, and, and Adam's absolutely right. I, I think sometimes though, like the words get really weird and they change over time, right? Like, so when you say rock, I know exactly what you mean. You and I are the same age. We have a very distinct image of like people playing real instruments and like just <laughs> rocking out. It's like, we all know what it is. It's everything from the Black Rose to the Who to the National to the charts rock is like 21 pilots rock right. is the chain smokers and in fact you know in america at least rock is the most dominant and most listened to genre of music you would never think of it because you would be like well where are the foo fighters on the charts where's all these artists on there and they're still on there but it all depends on where you go if you're a rock band right now listening and watching this and you're like over the age of 40 yeah post on TikTok, but your audience is on Facebook. Like, I think that people like Adam and booking agents around North America, they know where your demographic is. And yes, TikTok is a new game and it's only new. It, it's only the way that it is, is because nobody wants to be on the social media site that came before them. Meaning, so I'm, I'm in my late, 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 late twenties. <clears throat> so if I'm, let's say that I'm 50, my first social media site was was MySpace. We all got on Facebook. A bunch of us got on Twitter, then nothing else. And then the people's first social media site that was Facebook, they were on MySpace, definitely on Twitter, might be on Instagram. My daughter, who is 19, her first social media site was Instagram, kind of got on Twitter, definitely on TikTok. So it all depends on who your audience is, but they're there. So if you're older and you play rock the way that Adam and I think that you play rock, well, then maybe your audience isn't on TikTok. Maybe your audience is on Instagram who, you know, those audiences love rock. They just don't know what to listen to because nobody tells them anything anymore. They can walk into a record store. They're the ones that look at the Billboard Hot 100 and not know a single song anymore. And they feel left out, but they know Jack White but they know Jack White from the White Stripes. And so your audience is there. And so when I just say TikTok, it's only because pop will always dominate the conversation, whether it was pop in 1964 with the Beatles, whether it was pop and Sean Cassidy and Peter Frampton in the 70s and Duran Duran and Talk Talk and Tears for Fears in the 80s and so forth and so forth. So, you know, the genres of music, I think is really important to where you think things are going to go in 2022 as well. Yeah, totally, totally true. The, the problem with pop though, is it's just such an expensive and high barrier of entry, right? For an independent artist compared to the indie rock and the rock, right? Cause the indie rock world, you could go play the clubs, you could work the, work the press, you can all, you know, those are not things that pop does, right? Even, even when you have hit pop acts, they don't really play live half of them right so that's kind of the that's the rub but it'll, it'll be interesting to see how independent artists can 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 work with tiktok and it's it's definitely going to happen that's yeah that's, if i could jump in at one point though yeah. i think this is so on on par 
uh, I just did a post like a week ago on Facebook of my ticket stub from 1993, Steve Stevens in like Billy Idol's guitarist in the, like the Metro in Edmonton. The amount of comments from that thread is through the roof compared to any other thing I post. And it's all like people my age and stuff like that, which tends to be on Facebook that I'm finding, right? Throw it on Instagram, a mm, little bit, right? So, so I think that says a lot of where is your audience sure. and, and to connect with. And one of my clients on the CD Baby side, downtown side, uh, it's really interesting on TikTok as a lark, hooked up mushrooms to MIDI synthesizers to make music from plants. And it's like, doo, 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 doo. and uh, they call themselves modern biology. And like one post is like 22 million views. Like it, it's, it's incredible the, the amount of streams they're getting. And I, the, as a funny part is I just said, you should do a Christmas album. It's Christmas. So he did a Christmas album that he found a mushroom that relates to an old story of Santa Claus, like this type of mushroom in this type of country. And so we released a Christmas album of mushroom music and it's taken off. (laughs) He sounds like a real fun guy. Fun guy. Ah, yes. Uh, And and I got to say, you know what? It's like, we could do that, release it every year. It could get on playlists every year and compilations every year just from having that twist. But it, it was just an interesting thing to see. He did it as sort of like, just, I'm going to do this thing and it's taken off. So I think also what's really important is the story that you have to tell. And, and that's the thing. He would talk about the mushroom, this type of mushroom, blah, blah, blah. Let's hook it up. Here's this type of mushroom and talk. About, so it was an interesting kind of, story as opposed to just here's but, mushroom music but it's also it's also marshall marshall McLuhan, right it's him coming to life the medium is the message the medium is the message if your friend was going to post a 30 minute video on youtube nobody would watch it but if you post a minute version of that video on TikTok to an audience that have never heard of this before, you're going to get a much different, ex- excitable audience as opposed to a 50-year-old guy who spent four years in science class in high school and hated it and going, this is stupid. How is this making the charts? You know, because the audience is completely different because the medium is different. That's why we, that's the gurus of social media would always say, don't post the same thing on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and MySpace and your website, the same post, because some require 30 seconds of a post of your video on, on Instagram. You have a three and a half minute song, nobody's gonna wait till a minute and a half to go to that course. You have to post that 30 seconds right now because nobody has time to wait for anything else but if you've got an older demo that's used to listening to pink floyd dark side of the moon backwards and forwards well you can go three more minutes with an intro because that's what they're used to on vinyl and on facebook the medium will always be the message hey listener just a quick reminder that these indie weekly sessions like the one you're hearing right now happen every tuesday at 4 p.m eastern time that is toronto or new york time 
Each week, Daryl Hers brings in a either notable artist or industry professional of some kind to have these live conversations with the Indie Week community to help you all make more money, boost your career, and just generally gain more knowledge. To see what uh, conversations are coming up, go to IndieWeek.com. Just hit the Indie Weekly tab there at the top of the page. So again, that's every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Toronto time, and they're always free. All right, now back to the conversation. And and that's kind of a good segue that I wanted to sort of bring up is these catalog sales that are taking place that we're seeing like Bruce Springsteen and David Bowie's catalog being purchased. Uh, do you think that this is going to be a common trend that moves forward? And some of the stats I was looking up was quite interesting how uh, classic artists are really sort of dominating in some of the demographics when it comes to streaming and, and, and things like that. Like, uh, there's sort of this gap that's taking place, but classic artists are really uh, being listened to quite a bit. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think the number one reason why these artists are doing it is just simply because of, the, of a tax loophole. Um, if they were going to get the royalties, if, if you're a Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, um, Fleetwood Mac, Bon Jovi, those artists have already sold their publishing. Um, if they collect the royalties, they actually get taxed on it as regular income, meaning that it's going to be taxed at 50%. If they collect that giant $400 million check right now, um, then it's a capital gain. So then it's only 20%. of. So it's really older an older demographic that has different values than what they did when you were 25 bruce springsteen would have never sold his catalog or sell his rights to a his song to a movie or a film back in the 70s when he was in his mid-20s just wasn't cool now that he's 76 he has completely different values and he's leading the way with other artists to sell their catalog potentially we are seeing you know which it's funny i posted on facebook a couple of days ago that 1800 classical orchestra 1800 classical orchestras are nothing more than cover bands and it's true because they're actually just playing the music from like 300 years ago who's to say that right now the music of 1960 to 1995 isn't going to be the next classical music that people are going to be hearing for the next 300 years certainly the investors of all of these hundreds of millions of dollars worth of deals that they're making are banking on that because they need to make their money back, you know, as fast as possible. But what's interesting out of all of these classic rock artists, John Legend sold it. He sold his publishing last uh, about two or three weeks ago. And a couple of other brand newish producers and artists that have had hits with Justin Bieber and Pink among others are selling their catalog. It's going to be fascinating in 2022 to see if artists that are brand new have a hit single and sell the publishing right away because maybe they're hedging their bets and thinking, I may not have a career. The odds are a billion to one that I'm going to have a second hit on my hands. Maybe I'll get out now and sell it to the nearest buy. Maybe I'm not going to get $400 million like Springsteen. Maybe I'll get two or three million dollars and I'm going to walk away and write the next one. Painters do that all the all the time. They paint something, they sell it to somebody else. And except for the NFT part of things, that's the most money that they'll see. They'll see it once and that's it. Who's to say that artists won't be able to have that kind of ventures later on in the year where they'll record. It'll be a hit. 
and then they'll sell it right away to the nearest buyer forever. Uh, Adam, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, listen, I think it's a lot of older artists cashing in, right? I mean, you know, the average age of these folks selling their catalog is, you know, well past retirement, right? So, you know, they're, 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 they're cashing in and, and uh, yes, the tax thing is definitely a thing. The John Legend one is interesting. It, it will be interesting to see if, if, if newer artists, what the catalogs are worth. You know, I mean, in theory, they have longer to, to exploit them because they're not dying you know, like, right. But you also wonder what are these, what are new hits worth in terms of, you know, for how long, right. I mean, some of these classic, you know, Fleetwood Mac, they know exactly how much that catalog generates every year. You know, they have those formulas, they know exactly what, and it doesn't, and it doesn't vary all that much, even when something goes, you know, yes, you might get that viral TikTok video of the guy on the skateboard or whatever, but, but you still have all publishing has, an event like that, you know, a key movie sync or TV sync or whatever. But in general, they know exactly what those catalogs are going to do every single year with those type of heritage acts. I'm not sure that they know with the younger pop acts, you know, what those are, what those are worth and if they will have the longevity and, and, and what type of catalog that that will, will generate. Right. Uh, long term. So that'll, that'll be, you know, so that'll be interesting to see, you know, what, how those, how those do. I mean, listen, we should only be so lucky to have that problem. I would love to have a hit today and, <laughs> and, and be worrying if it's going to be worth anything, because it's still going to be more than what I'm, you know, generating. Right. Uh, but, you know, there are so many new areas of technology that are going to generate income. Right. You know, uh, we weren't talking about, TikTok two years ago in terms of generating income, right? We weren't talking about Twitch, about generating income a couple of years ago, you know, and 10 years ago, we were talking about income from ringtones or whatever, right? You know, how, you know, you're not, not making that anymore. So, you know, things change and there's going to be new things. And, and uh, you know, that's what people are, are banking on. These are classic songs that people like. And, and you know, the, the catalog sales number that came out the other day also proves that, you know, people still like this, right? It was like, what, 78% of music consumption or something was catalog, considered catalog sales, right? And the, the biggest touring acts out there are still heritage acts, um, you know, and, 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 and also too, you, you talk to, you know, all of my staff in their, are in their 20s, right? I'm the old man in the office. They're all listening to, 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 to plenty of old acts, right? And, and like, you know, I, I think the bigger question is, is what do we do when all of these old acts are dead, right? Like, because they're just dropping dead left and right, right? So, the, um, you know, who, who, who are you going to go see live, right? Who's going to fill the yeah. arenas? Who's going to fill the, you know, because as much as there's great pop stuff being made right now, we're not making as many great touring acts as we were. We're making some. Uh, that's a bit of a concern, you know, Um but yeah, yeah, someone just wrote avatars in the metaverse. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah. that's what we'll be seeing. Yeah, 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 well, well, yeah, 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 for sure. Like you, you, you brought up so many things and my brain's going off in all these different areas. And uh, Mackenzie wrote about Hendrix. One thing to note that I thought was really funny. Uh, the other day I went to Walmart and uh, Purple Haze was playing. When I left my car, went into Walmart. When I came back in the car, Purple Haze was playing. So within an hour, same song of Jimi Hendrix on the same radio station. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Um, but a couple of things to, to think about, kind of looking forward. Here's one thing that I sort of been thinking about the, you know, the heritage acts and the classic acts. One, I used to work for Live Nation and I would always look at the poll star numbers and it was always 
you know, Elton John, Fleetwood Mac, ACDC, U2, uh, Tom Petty, whoever was classic was literally the top seven to eight out of the top 10 grossing artists touring of the year. And, and you're right. What happens like the, the artists coming up aren't becoming those stadium filling artists like we had lots of. So that's going to be an interesting thing. And Live Nation, they're pretty smart. So you know that they're not like it's not a surprise. They're planning something. And this is where I'm sort of thinking about this going into the digital age. Catherine said avatars in the metaverse. So when these publishing uh, deals are being made and catalogs being sold, are the, do you know, are the rights to the voice imprint or the image of the artist also being sold with it? Because here's the thing I could see is like AI, computer, take Elvis, learn all his songs, write songs like Elvis, create Avatar, and here we have new Elvis music. Uh, any thoughts on anything like that happening? Kind of like there's, they've done like hologram tours yeah. and things like that. So we could potentially have new music. Right. From Tom yeah, I mean, you're, next year. you're seeing that. I mean, it wasn't the Tina Turner deal. Like they sold everything, the likeness, yeah. the, the name, the, everything i think yeah right uh with, with the beach boys i mean i always took that to mean that if they wanted to do a mamma mia on broadway using nothing but beach boys music they can do that and they can sell it i think for an indie artist you know even though that this might be like i'm never going to have a broadway show i'm never going to have an nft that is going to be worth something the, the one thing that's missing that people really don't talk about in the media whenever a deal like this happens, it's one thing to talk about Bruce Springsteen selling his catalog for $500 million, because we know what that is. Born in the USA, born to run, The River, the 26th studio album, the 15 live albums, we get all that. We have no idea potentially how many hundreds of songs have not been released. That's why the Prince... When Prince did their, when when his team finally settled with the IRS, I think yesterday, his his estate is worth about 185 million dollars, a lot more than what the estate said. There is enough music in the Prince vault for them to release one unreleased album for the next 120 years. As an indie artist, you think, well, that's got nothing to do with me, but it does because it means that you can take the stupidest idea that I have and bring it down to earth, which is your song is really never finished. If you wanna build up the catalog, but you only have four songs or an EP and you're bored and you don't have anything else to promote, get your demos in order. Get the older songs that you might have not been able to record. Your song that you released back in October, maybe think about getting a feature. Maybe think about doing a remix. Maybe think about expanding it to an hour long for the Calm app. A song is a song is a song, but it's only defined by how you define it. So as much as we're talking about these multi-million dollar deals as an indie artist, you think, well, that's not relevant to me, but it is because it's the catalog and it's your right to figure out how many songs you actually want to make and produce and release. Absolutely. And I want to twist it to the indie artist in that uh, like Steve Stewart, a friend of ours has a company called Vest 
and there's starting to be more of these, but it's fractional kind of like crowdfunding, selling off portions of your publishing. And, and so any artist can uh, sign up to these platforms. Like I said, Vest, V-E-Z-T. So think of invest is where that comes from. You can crowdfund your publishing and say, I'm going to, for my next song, sell off 20% of my publishing and crowdfund it. And, 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 and so that's something that's a really interesting thing. And uh, that's starting to happen for any artist. So it's kind of getting into that game of selling off publishing and you could do it one song at a time, one whole release at a time. And there's different deals that could be done. Like uh, you could sell off 20% and once they're paid off, it's done. Right. Or you can pay be... for your marketing of your new record through that. Right. And, and get yeah. the money back within you know a year or two because they can predict exactly how many streams you're going to get and how much money you're going to generate, you know, based on what you've done prior. Yeah. And I think this is actually a great thing for indie artists to look into because what have you got to lose? Really? Uh, if you're starting out, it's an, the funny part is you telling people you could, they could buy part of your publishing is actually marketing the release. It's building the story of the release and telling people before, before you even start recording or writing it, even uh, it's kind of like uh the Tim Ferriss uh, for our workweek book of like, what book should I write? I'm going to put up a form, four forms and ask people which one they want to read. And the one that gets the most, that's the one I'm going to write. So uh, it's an interesting thing. So that's as technology is starting to open up these avenues for independent artists that just simply weren't there before. And I think that's super exciting. And going into this year, there's so many doors just opening up um do either of you have any kind of comments on that kind of like crowdfunding your publishing yeah i i, I think it's not so much on the publishing side but there's so many other ways that artists are realizing that they can make an income on their music they can sell their songwriting services on sound better they can sell beats now on splice Bandcamp now has the ability to sell merchandise they can have royalty free music on art lists. I think the ability to keep searching for other ways to make money other than collecting 0.00045 cents on Spotify might be just a thing of the past. And if you are just relying on your streams, that's okay. That's what you might be able to handle with a full-time job during, it has to be said again, a global pandemic where we're just all trying to survive, forget about thriving, you know, going, you know, if going out to the grocery store might kill you, coming up with a tour set might just be very low on your priority list. But the fact that there's, there's, there's so many different ways that artists can actually um, get paid for what they do. Um, you know, one thing that I saw a couple of weeks ago was that there was a, num a number of guitar manufacturers that released their year-end figures in Gibson guitars went up like 33% year on year. Right. That means more people are actually picking up real instruments, which means potentially a need for music teachers to be an expert in your field and what you're playing. So I think it's, it's not so much because, um, because I think for publishing, at least from my, per at least from what I'm getting, whenever I service a song to radio, very few of them aren't their own publisher. Uh, and even more of that, they barely understood what so what SoCan is, um, and so they're fairly new. 
but it doesn't mean that they can't create 200 beeps this weekend and sell them for five bucks. And maybe somebody turns into the next little Nas X old town road. Yeah. Adam, do you have anything? Yeah. I think you just have to find what works for you. Right. I mean, you know, and, and where you're, where you're at uh, in your career, because I mean, crowdfunding is, is great, but it's also very time consuming. Right. So, and there's also fatigue there. You can only go after so much, you know, from your fans too, and, and so often and, and whatnot. So you have to find something that works for you and, and, and be honest about where you're at uh, right now. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that uh, crowdfunding for, for, for publishing and, and against, against your streams and stuff like that, if it can make sense and it doesn't tie you up forever, you know, you're not giving yourself away too cheaply, right? You know, definitely, you know, you want to be careful on that front. But I, I think overall, I think those are, they can be a good thing, you know, but you've got to have something, you know, if you're literally just starting out and got, you know, at zero and got nothing, you know, th those aren't going to be good options for you because there's no one to go after, right? So, you, you know, just have to be honest about where you're at and where you're coming from when you're looking at those things. But, right. you know. And, and, and also like, uh, you know, talking about like what Eric was saying is there's so many opportunities right now. So here's one thing that I've been thinking about, especially during lockdown, is as an artist, I think one of the things that everybody gets into is here's my music and push this and all that. Think about your day job. It could be writing jingles. It could be writing beats. It could be like instead of working at a bar, for instance, you could be doing more music things than ever before and having more places to monetize that than ever before. Uh, you could also at home be like three different artist names and release music under three different monikers and so, stuff like that uh, and kind of really truly hone your craft of songwriting and music making. Um, what are your thoughts about that, Eric? Um, I've always loved the fact that Ed Sheeran will actually come up with a with a five-year plan, starting off with, I'm going to do a pop album. And then the five-year plan was, I'm going to sell out Madison Square Garden. Um, he actually literally wrote down on paper, he wants to do a duet album, a rap album, a pop album, a rock album, um, and name them all after musical equations. He figured this out maybe about a year and a half before his first album came out. Um, I love aliases. I love the act of creating. I think it's mystifying. It's magic to me. Um, anything to help you get better. And what's amazing is that, yeah, you're right. You could release it or you don't have to. Maybe you just want to do it just for the for the act of, of writing and creating and, and learning how to do it and getting better. Um, maybe you just want to sit there and <laughs> I was talking to a guy last week who who created from scratch the entire Beatles Sgt. Pepper album um, with using a four track and no other instruments other than what he had in the basement. So he learned how to manipulate animal sound to piano sound to this to that. And I said, that's amazing. When does it come out? And he was like, I can't put it out because I would never be able to afford the samples or pay the rights to the Beatles to actually like, I could never afford to put it out. And so, so why did you do it? He's like, cause I, cause I could, you know, like I was just stuck in isolation for a year or so, you know, more power to him. If that's what you want to do. Great. Yeah. I, I just think there's opportunities to monetize music like never before online. Um, and it, we're in a lockdown. So, so this is a good time to learn it. Uh, there's going to be more and more, you know, the one prediction I make 
one the one prediction I'll make is that something that, that there will be more things that will come out this year that we can make money off of, right? I mean, like that's you know we don't know, right? We don't know what the new thing is going to be. There's always going to be something. It's going to keep moving. People are going to find new ways to do it, and it's going to keep growing. And you know, and all you can do as an artist really is be open to it and be open to try new things and experiment and see see what things work. And you know, maybe uh, maybe you give one song or one part of a song or some you know a beat or something, and you you, you try things. Just be open. Right? That's it. Absolutely, I, I totally agree. Like, who knew like this music player would have come and gone and be obsolete in the blip and all right. that kind of stuff. Uh, now, one thing we haven't really talked too much on is live music. Who knew CDs would be back? Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, so know, let's talk a bit about live music, though. Like, what, what do we think is going to happen there? Because I'm all, it's, it's this year's going to be a mess. This year's going to be a mess. I, I yeah. think, you know, I mean, I want to be optimistic, right? I want to be, you know, and I was, I was last year, but I mean, you know, it's, uh, I feel like this, I think we're going to have a lot of stop and stop and goes this year, but I'm, I'm hopeful that the summer will, you know, summer will be good. And then we'll probably have, you know, we'll probably continue to have these flare-ups in, in the winters, right? I mean, like, that's just kind of, I think that might be the new normal in, until, unless humanity catches a break and then, and then each successive variant, which we are going to get, right? This, it's not going to be like we're going to beat Omicron and there's not going to be any more variants, right? There's going to be another one after that and another one after that. I don't know my Greek alphabet well enough to tell you what they are, <laughs> but you, we know that they're going to happen. But hopefully humanity catches a break and they get weaker each time. But that doesn't mean that's a given, right? They could definitely get worse, right? So, uh, but, you know, but probably, you know, touring, touring is gonna be tough during any, any, anything other than spring, summer and, and early fall. You know, I'm, I'm blessed being in California and then we have a very long season, you know, of, of outdoor stuff. But, um, you know, does anyone really wanna to go to a club show right now? I don't even wanna go outside. You're talking from the perspective of, of America and America has been open and had a giant, amazing PR campaign that they were open for business right. almost seemingly overnight here in Canada. We've right. seen tours only happen in certain provinces because every province right. seems to be its own country. Right. Just play bc doesn't mean that you can play alberta and that doesn't mean that you can play saskatchewan but you can't play manitoba and sure. you can play toronto but you can't play sudbury and so on and so on and when you start to see a these venues shut down forever because now right here in toronto we have 47 venues in the city that have shut down in the last 22 months that will probably not reopen again booking agents are tearing their hair out because they have guarantees on the table, they're trying to rebook and reschedule for the last two years worth of dates. Even at the club level here in Toronto with the Horseshoe and Lee's Palace and other places, they're trying to get shows for April and May and June that they booked in April, May and June of 2020. So if you're an independent artist and you don't have a show booked, you might not get one until maybe 2023 or 2024. That's even if COVID disappears tomorrow, which of course it won't. And so that's where you have to start realizing that, you know, going back to what Adam so brilliantly said is these next superstar artists are, may not be at the club level anymore. In fact, they're not. Even somebody like Olivia Rodrigo, who should be playing, 
you know, a certain level of venues could have sold out stadiums around the world, decided to go to the first level first. But to her, first level was playing Massey Hall, a place that holds 2,900 people. So, you know, this generation of music lovers that are 15 to 19 years old and, and younger might not have a desire ever to go out and see a live music show unless it's a festival with experiences like a Coachella or like, you know, um, you know, uh, like anything else that's happening or Oshiega in Montreal, for instance, where it's not just 45 bands a day on a bill. You have all this food and entertainment and luxury and, and glamping and all of this stuff. Um, you know, teenagers are not growing up wanting to be 19 so they can go to a club. They're smoking less, they're drinking less, they're going out less thanks to video games and Twitch and social media and hanging out. So if you're playing that kind of music and you're relying on maybe at the club level, again, this is where you have to really pinpoint who your audience is and where they are because you might not be able to rely on the next up and coming generation to fulfill that need of seeing you play live. Because they may not, they may buy your albums, they may stream your music, they might even buy vinyl records or cassette tapes just to help support the artist. But they might not be spending twelve dollars to come and see you on a Friday night at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and I, one thing yeah. I could say definitely before all this happened, it was it's in Toronto. It's all been like I remember twenty fifth, probably about twenty ten was when like 4am liquor licenses were like, ooh, I, we got a 4am liquor license. Just the fact that they're open to four lined up down the block. Then it opened up where oh, anybody could get a 4am liquor license. And then what was happening before lockdown was people were actually wanting to have shows and earlier, and we were doing tests, a 6.30 show that's done at 9.30, they were always packed where trying to get somebody out at 11 o'clock to see a band and the headline spot was like, man, if we could have a midnight spot, that used to be like the prime in the day. That's too late, seems like now. Uh, it seems like a lot of people are not, weren't even wanting to go out later anymore. And I think that's more the DJ club scene was taking over that space. And uh, if you go to England, that's how they work it. They, the venue has two nights in one night. The Rock is done by 10 club night at after and that goes right. all night and they flip the room and and you know people drink a certain amount they stop might as well get them out and get a different demographic in that's going to increase sales sure i i actually take a little bit more optimistic approach for indie bands and local bands playing shows only in that the there's going to be so many cancellations and so much uncertainty of touring and it's so expensive to schedule a tour and get it up and running and get get the staff and block out the times or whatever that a lot of people don't want to take the chances right to, to start something and then stop it and you know and all that it's just too expensive so there there may actually be you know in some cases you know shortages of the headlining talent national talent going through some of these clubs and there may actually be more and more opportunity for uh, local acts and regional acts to, to, to fill those headlining shows. I mean, I'm seeing it just at the club level in LA and other places, uh, you know, around that, that, that there is that. Of course, there's competition and, you know, there's lots of people looking for shows, but it might not be as dire for independent artists that you have to wait, wait until 2024. 20, uh, 
but I do think it'll be a, an absolute clusterfuck and a minefield for the next couple of years, right? You know, in general. But I, but I, I do think that you can get some stuff in there because there's going to be some people that are just not going to go out. They don't want to take the risk. They don't. Maybe they don't need the money as that badly. You know, some artists are touring because they need the money, right? There's no doubt. Uh, you know, those middle class kind of uh, you know acts that that are, are out there touring. But there's others that are just not going to bother doing it, and uh, that's going to leave some holes. To, to be filled, but I think there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, and I, I think that you know you'll have a busy, we'll have a busy spring and summer and early fall, and then I think probably maybe maybe people will, you know, I, I think you know Breakout West was canceled last week, right? You know, for an event in February, right, in Winnipeg. You know, maybe we start as a society and as an industry start thinking, hey, you know what? I'm just not going to schedule an event in February in a cold place. And then maybe I'm going to start scheduling all of my events, you know, May to October or whatever, and just do that, you know, and like, and just, you know, we, we kind of go, we go dark for the other five months because that, that at least for the next couple of years, that may very, you know, be our, not to say we don't have summer surges and stuff like that, which we have, but it is easier to stay safe when they're, when you're outdoors. So uh, yeah. I think that's and, and just to mention, Breakout West was supposed to be October. Changed the dates to February. Yeah. Was they're they're just trying so hard to be in person yeah. that they didn't want to be online, so they moved yeah. to in person. Yeah. Now they're online. Well, that's another uh, thing, right? I don't want to go to any. <laughs> I don't. I mean, and I'm being a hypocrite here because I'm on an online conference and I'm about to yeah. shit on my host. Uh, I don't really want to do any more online conferences, right? <laughs> but we're doing them because we have to do them. But I think most of us have, you know, Zoom fatigue and conference fatigue. Like I want, I know Daryl because we met at a bar, right? That, you know, that <laughs> let, let's be honest, right? And, Many you know, bars. like that, you know, I, Robert, who's in the room here, like I know him because I met him in a bar in, in Singapore. You know, I mean, like this is, you know, how our industry works. We meet people at conferences, at shows, at bars, we talk. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 I want these events more than anyone. But uh, yeah, I just think they're just going to have to be during the warm months or the warmer months. <laughs> yeah. And, and with that said, I think this is a good segue to some of the stuff we were talking about. Uh, there was a lot of, a lot of uh, announcements over the last couple of months. And one really big one was Medem canceling. Uh, and I literally first lockdown, I was like about to go to first Medem and uh, for me, uh, and now I don't get a chance to go to meet him. I don't get a chance to experience it. It's not going to happen unless the city takes it over. And that's the kind of thing that we might see. There's more and more conferences and festivals that are also starting to just think we're, we're, we're done. Um, there's a post uh, from Dimitri uh, from Rock, Paper, Scissors on LinkedIn asking, are you going to South by this year? And, and a good amount of people are like, no, no chance am I going. And a couple of things to think about is these are places that we meet. This is where we share ideas and we keep getting in touch with each other throughout the year. And we expand on those ideas. Uh, and this is where new business is created and, and new business relationships. Uh, and if we don't go and support, they're, they're going to disappear. And, and, you know, I started with talking about Popcom and that's what like Popcom disappeared. Um, what are your thoughts about that proceeding? Because, you know, it's such an important thing, I feel, for our ecosystem. Um, Eric, I'll, I'll let you sort of start with this and then Adam. 
if I never have to go out again, I think I'll be pretty good with that. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of serious. Um, I have never had a more successful 22 months in my entire life than the last 22 months, um, simply because the sheer amount of wasted time that I've done isn't there anymore. I'm in Richmond Hill, Ontario. So when I needed to go out four nights a week to see a band play, that was eight hours of sitting in a car there and back every single week. I'd rather take that eight hours a week and go pitch for the artists because I don't need to go and see a band play live. I'm not convinced a lot of my artists would be playing live at this point anyway, um, more than maybe once a show, once a month, once every two months. But I've always kind of, because of, because of my background and where I've come from, no different than anybody else. But I was a really keen reader as a kid about the music industry. I loved reading stories about how record labels began and why vinyl took off and why certain songs hit and others didn't. And it wasn't just radio. It was what was going on on the economic side and what was going on racially and what was going on socially, learning about the world through music. Nothing is guaranteed in this world. Radio stations playing independent music is not a right. It's a privilege. Conferences are not a right. Clubs having live music, it's not a guarantee. It was something that we had for a good run. We actually might see CDs come back. We actually might see cassettes come back just for giggles. Nothing is guaranteed. And the only thing that we can hope for in 2022 is more rights to the artists, more funding for them from the government because the music industry was the first to get shut down and we're going to be the last ones to open. And you just have to keep reading. That's the one thing that every time I'm on here with you, man, I always say this and it's and it's my mantra. Read everything you can when you're an, an artist because it'll teach you what is going on, not just in your own hometown or city or province or state, but what's happening where Adam is in California might be the goal for Ontario. But you need to know how they got there. And the more that you know about what's going on with the music industry, whether these predictions all come true, whether we're all going to do NFTs or whether you're all going to be avatars long after you're dead, just keep reading about the way that things are, the way things could be, and the way things and how we got here in the first place. And you're going to be more well off more than any other prediction that we're able to make. That's awesome. And, and you know what? That's a good plug. Like, that's why we're doing this stuff. We're sharing information. And, and uh, it, it's these types of discussions that expand our thoughts, curiosity, which hopefully what I'm hoping for is everybody goes out and explores these options and looks them up and, and see what applies to them. Uh, Adam, what are your uh, thoughts? Listen, uh, you know, I've had, a, I've actually, you know, I agree with Eric on one level on that. I've actually had a, a really good couple of years and, you know, people have needed promotional help because they're not touring and the shows aren't creating events right so they need to do promotion so you know planetary has been busy um and it has been a good couple of years and i'm not distracted by traveling and I, I totally get that uh that said i love to travel and i love you know uh and my whole network for business has been made from my travel right and so i want to meet more people and continue to add to that network and and i want to get out there and i like watching bands in person 
you know, as convenient as it is to just turn on the computer and watch a show, I can't feel the bass, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and I want that. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's a spinal tap line, you know, I, I want to feel that magnetism or, or whatever <laughs> that is, you know, or that, that raw sex or whatever, you know? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I just, I just want, I just want that show, you know? And so, uh, I want to get out there. I mean, listen, I, I think that people have been shitting on South by for years. Uh, careful what you wish for, you know, uh, these things go away, you know, now what do we do type of thing? And, and, you know, uh, the, the, the negative folks and the doomsayers would say, Oh, well, you don't need that. You don't, you know, you don't need me anymore. You don't have to have in-person meetings everything's done over zoom or phone or email or whatever, but that personal connection means a lot. And, uh, so you know, I, I will go to South by it'll be a last. Well, I say that, you know, I am registered and I am planning on going and we will see what it looks like uh, the day before. And I will make that decision and I will probably just go to outdoor shows and I will go to the less popular bands uh, that are playing rooms that aren't as packed. And I will stand in the back by the door and I'll probably have two masks on and I'll be careful, you know, and, and I wish I wish South by wasn't in a stupid state like Texas. I wish it was in California or New York where people believed in vaccines and masks and vaccine mandates for shows and, you know, stuff like that, instead of being in a absolutely stupid, you know, retarded land. Sorry, I can't say that. A bad land of, of you know, of, of, of Texas where they just did uh, bizarro land is the word I was looking for. Sorry. Uh, you know, anyway, uh, that just is what it is, you know. Um, I hope that South by however survives. I want it to survive. I've been going to South by since 19, I don't know, 90, 91, something, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I believe in it. And I, I believe in, in, in networking. I believe in seeing bands in person. And uh, I think it still adds a lot of value. So uh, I want it to survive. You know, I was, I was crushed when, when they, when they canceled, you know, I sat at my desk and stared at the wall for like, two hours when they when they canceled that we had our biggest show ever booked for that you know we had we had two stages and you know and and some of the best bands ever and yeah it was, it was horrible so uh you, you know people used to always shit on cmj and you know cmj is gone now right and that was you know that was a great event and uh it, it's it's there's nothing in new york has really filled that that hole right um you know new colossus is starting and and you know they had their they had their there that was the last conference on the calendar i you know i was at that show the the day of new york closing right as was robert and, and a few others i mean and it was actually quite terrifying to be in a packed packed pianos bar with you know, with, with the virus, you know, allegedly spreading everywhere, right? I, I left, actually. I mean, I watched a couple of bands and then said, all right, I'm leaving. Uh, you know, so I'm familiar with that, that feeling and I'm not anxious to kind of go back into that at South By. So that's why I will do outdoor shows and stuff. It can be done in a smart way. You know, I, I went to Americana in October and, and they, unlike Texas, did have rules where everyone had to be vaccinated that was at the shows and you know everyone would have to wear a mask in the hotel and had to be vaccinated and you know you felt you felt a lot better you know um at least they were trying right uh to do it and that event went well so uh 
support yeah support your events in any way you can because uh, it'd be horrible if they all go away yeah and and it was funny i was literally two days away stepping on a plane to begin the run of colossus south by right i was supposed to go to la for meetings and up to alberta then all this stuff and it, it's it's crazy to think that is almost nearly two years ago uh exactly it gets crazy um yeah. I'm sorry to shit on Texas so much, but I mean, like, come on. Like, I mean, you know, they're literally making rules that are saying that you're not allowed to ask for, you know, vaccine or, you know, mask mandates or any of that stuff at your at, at the event. I mean, like, give me a break, right? Yeah. Not, and to, it, not to mention the women's rights issues too, right? So, I mean, I understand why there's a lot of people not going. And I've been, and I've been cautioning a lot of my clients about going because, because, you know, especially European artists, because it's going to cost them a lot of money to go. And, and I do worry that the impact will be less because there will be a lot less people there. I don't know what South by will look like this year compared to other years. It is no doubt going to be way down in terms of the people. Oh, yeah. And everyone is also taking a wait and see attitude on it. Everyone, it's going to be yeah. a you know game day decision, as they say in football, right? Like, you know, it'll I, be I've got hotels time. booked. I've got yeah, my hotel booked. It. That's it. That's right. it. I can cancel it. Right. Uh, right. And I saw uh, uh, Sean, Texas equals Alberta. I was in Alberta <laughs> just recently and it's minus 30 there too. Uh, Sean, I'm hoping to be out there in the summer. So hopefully we can meet up. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing. But if you want these events, and it's almost like what Eric said about social, know your audience. So know what works for you and which event doesn't, but support it if you want it to stick around. Uh, that's something that is true. I do believe a lot of focus is going to be on local and we're lucky in Canada that there's funding. Uh, so as local artists, go support your local venues, the one that you would want to play at, that's your hangout and, and we want to keep them alive. Um, we talk about, you know, independent artists, uh, you know, developing and such and uh look at this it's already 10 after five so we've got to do a quick wrap that was we could talk forever at this and especially i miss you guys and and uh you know this could be the easy hotel lobby bar mixer chat uh at the end of the day of the conference but i just wanted to point out like these kind of cds like this was something that we did uh on this one we have moonraker who is a band from montreal called mobile i still hear them on the radio uh, they were supposed to do re, uh, reunite right before COVID and COVID kind of crushed that a little bit. Peter Katz is on this. Peter has done tons of touring and great stuff. Um, there's a band on here called Avenue Road and uh, guitarist Dan Cantor was in this band and you might have heard his name, but he was the music director for Justin Bieber for many years and went on to do many things. These are kind of like the places where independent artists start and they need to have room to develop. And it's not like you're gonna hit it right out of the gate. David Bowie took four albums to get a hit, you know? Uh, so these are the kinds of things that we really wanna encourage and hopefully we give this positive space. I know Adam looks like you're just uh, wanna put in a point. Uh, uh, I did have one point. I also, did you say Justin Tranter? Was that, uh, Justin, that Justin Bieber. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. He was one of the Justin Trainer was one of the writers for Justin Bieber, and so that's why I thought thought I heard you say because he was a he was a Boston Boston guy around forever, and then hooked up with Bieber, and there you go. You know, I mean, he used to he 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 opened up for a band that I was working with at 
at a gay pride Boston event, you know, playing for free. And then, you know, 10 years later, number one record with Justin Bieber. So you never know, right, where stuff is coming from. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, for all this talk about the future and predictions and technology and this and that, and and totally be open to all of that, like I said earlier, to open to experiment and try all these new things out. But don't also overlook tried and true things that do work, even though they're not sexy and they're not the shiny new thing. You know, people shit on radio a lot these days. Radio still reaches a lot of people. It's free, it's everywhere, and it creates content for other things. You know, I I always point to KEXP in Seattle, which is an amazing station, and they have one of the best YouTube channels out there. And if KEXP is playing your record, then possibly you can get an online you know, you can get a, a, do a, a session with them. And then that creates content that goes onto their YouTube channel that you can then share on your socials that then has a worldwide audience. You know, I don't meet a band anywhere in the world that doesn't ask me about KEXP, right? They all know it from online, but that's radio. But then, but then if you talk to a, you know, a, a younger band, they go, oh, what, what's radio? That's not important, but it is. It's just, it's taking different forms, right? So don't overlook radio. Don't overlook going after press and getting blog coverage and and online write-ups. It's not just all about the Spotify playlist or the TikTok viral video. You gotta have all of those plates in the air at the same time, unfortunately, and and still be trying new things as well. (laughs) So it's a lot, it's a lot to do. And that's the the real artist challenge uh, in 2022 and and beyond uh, is is how do you do it all. So true at neighboring. Right, it's like uh, getting collections and getting paid for it. Uh, Eric, do you have any last comments? I listen to KEXP all day long. It's the greatest station in the world. It really, <laughs> it's, it's like a secret club that when you, they say, so what do you listen to? How do you find new music? And if you say KEXP, it's like, you're cool. I can get you. Um, you know, just keep keep going, keep going. Every day that you do this as a musician is your worst day as a musician is better than most people's best day ever. So just keep going, keep going, keep going. Cause we're all going to be here. Adam and I are lifers. You're a lifer We're we've made it to the past the, the, the eight year mark where it was like, ah, maybe we'll go find something else. We're here. We're not going away. We're going to do this forever. And we're here for you. So I'm sure Adam would say the same thing. I'm always available for calls. I'm always available for emails. Hit me up on Twitter or on Instagram or through the website. It's at that Eric Alper. Always happy to talk to new and old artists. Yeah, likewise. You know, I mean, I respond to every email and, and uh, you know, I want people to reach out. That's why we do these things, right? That's why I travel and go to events is I'm, I am actually looking for you and to meet you, right? So I put my info in the in the uh, comments there, but, uh, but yeah, Adam at planetarygroup.com is my email. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much guys. Uh, for this first one, I wanted to, you know, have that friends chat. I, and, and, you know, it's really cool because, uh, we get into these conversations and we could go on and on. Uh, thank you all for joining us and, uh, let's have a great year. This is going to be awesome. All right, so that does it for this week on the podcast. Big year ahead. Um, I'm really looking forward to 2023. We have some big things in the works uh, for this year at Indie Week. Even just this month, we have uh, something big in the works. So there's a lot to look forward to. Of course, we couldn't do any of it without the support of our sponsors and funders. 
Indie Week projects are funded in part by the Government of Canada. We also thank Slate Music, CD Baby, Actor Racks, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, SEMA, the City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, and the SOCAN Foundation. To keep up on what we have going on, follow Indie Week on social media across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And head over to IndieWeek.com to see what's going on under the Indie Week banner, Indie Weekly, and across all of our online conferences, the next of which is Screen by Screen happening February 7th and 9th. And it's a great place to go for any musician or music industry professional who wants to learn what's happening now and in the foreseeable future in the world of music technology, as well as things like crypto, blockchain, AR, and VR artificial intelligence, and all these things that are happening now and that we're hearing about and will continue to change and evolve and have very noticeable and important impacts on the music industry. So again, that's a screen by screen, February 7th and 9th, and uh, head over to screenxscreen.com for that or indieweek.com where you can link to everything that we do. All right, that's enough for this week. We'll see you back here again next Thursday.